This is the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the place where sales professionals and sales leaders from across the globe go to learn and upscale. And right now, if you're a brand new user and you've never used Sales Gravy University before, you can get your first course for free by using coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. And hey, I've got several courses there that you can check out. So I hope to see you there. But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. Let's go ahead and get started with this episode of the Women Your Mother Warns You About brought to you by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer at Sales Gravy. And I'm Susanna Gray-Jones, Master Sales Coach and owner of recruitment company Chime Search. And guess what we're doing today? What are we doing today? Today, I see I'm in charge now. Am I? Am I like... (laughs) <laughs> Am I taking over? Wait, I didn't, I didn't say you were in charge. I just said, what are we doing today? But I mean, so, if you, you know what I'm going to do with you like I do with my my husband, which is, by the way, your fault. Okay. Um, you know, remember my bachelorette party? I do. Where you, where you asked those questions of me and him and we kind of got them wrong. One of them was... Um, Who's who in said charge? I love you first? Oh, who's <laughs> who, in charge? Who's in yeah. charge and who gets the last word? And I think yeah. um, what we determined, I forget now what the answers were, but what we determined was he gets the last word, mm-hmm. but I'm in charge. Yes, I, I. that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar after all of those vodka jello things that you gave me. <laughs> I think um, I'm going to have to come up with something equally fun for Outbound, aren't I? Some so, equally yes. re- revealing quiz. I'm excited about Outbound. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I I sent out my proposal to you. Did did you get a Did you get a copy of the proposal um, about what we're doing at Outbound? I did. Yeah. Okay. And I'm very uh, I'm we very excited. Talk, we can't talk about it yet because I'm waiting for the boss man to approve it. So I'm excited about, we will be on the main stage at Outbound Live, bringing you this show with some fantastic guests. Uh, There'll be a panel of guests during lunchtime, during the lunch hour. So, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Get your tickets at outboundconference.com. Okay. That's enough of my advertising. So it's another, we'll pretend you're in charge. It is another <laughs> episode of listener questions. <laughs> and we have some pretty interesting ones coming up. Um, and something that is really current that is coming up all the time in sales. And there's a lot to be said about it and a lot of opinions, a lot of controversy. So we'll be careful what we say. Wait, what did you say? A lot of controversy. Controversy? <laughs> yeah, con- like controversial oh. controversy. Oh, is that how you say it? What do you say? Controversy? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's just me being 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 blonde. I, I think I think it's not an English thing. It's just okay, a Susanna I didn't know. thing. I was like, is that an English thing? Okay, go on. Continue. Well, it sounded good. So a question about women in sales. Okay. Mm. So as a recruiter, I speak to women and men 
um, on a daily basis. And I'm starting to kind of understand the differences a bit more. And it's really interesting. So I'm going to ask you this first. This is something that always comes up. I want to go into sales. I'm a woman. And what would you say to women considering going into sales? What advice would you give to them? Where does one start? Yeah, I was just going to say, that's like, we could do many episodes about that. So this is a thing, right? I know you're about to answer, but um, I was reading something online where it said, picture a B2B leader in your head, like the top leader. Are you doing it? Mm -hmm, Top mm -hmm. of company sales board and born to do it. Are you picturing a man or are you picturing a woman? Oh, Oh, God, I don't even want to admit it. (laughs) It's bad. Well, maybe because I have a male boss that I just normally, I just went there. I mean, that is an interesting thing in itself. Why would I go there? Yeah. Why do you think? I mean, I think in the moment it's because I have a male boss. Is that why? Because I... I think I would have thought of a man anyway, but that's not because of how I feel about it. It's just that Wolf of Wall Street, stereotypical, suited and booted. If you go out in London to the bankingville of the city, you're more likely to see a man. If you're a woman and you want to pull a guy, you're more likely to find one in the city. I hate to say it. Yeah. Am I just going to get in trouble for saying that? But let's, let's, you know, let's talk about facts here. Women make up half of the college-educated workforce, yet they're still severely underrepresented. So there was a 2019 study that found that on average, women in sales outperformed their male counterparts when it comes to making quota, with 86% of women making quota Mm. compared to 78% of men. Yet women only make 28% of sales managers. So what's with that? What's up? What do you think? <laughs> so I'm going to be very unpopular if I tell you what I think. And Go ahead. You might lose some listeners here. <laughs> but what I think about this is, and this is just my personal experience, I come across women every day in offices, some dominated by men, some more equal, where women are afraid to speak up like in a big way. So I meet two types of women. I meet the types of women who can't speak up because they're not allowed to speak up because they're not in a culture where it's encouraged for women to speak up. So you could blame the men for that and the sort of culture that it adapts. But I also have worked in cultures where women see it as they are because they're a woman, they can't speak up. It's their perception of being a woman opposed to the environment around them. And I think there is a danger in this world that when we Mm -hmm. feel insecure about something that we become victims like it's very easy right when I was a kid if people were mean to me my dad loving as he was he would tell me that they were jealous of me (laughs) you're beautiful they're jealous of you and I believed it when I was little because it was easier to fall victim to why people weren't being nice to me than to maybe think that maybe I had done something wrong and to be accountable for it Mm. and I think there is a problem there slightly that's a that's an interesting perspective because I think, although I will say later in my career, I had often heard they're jealous of you. That phrase mm-hmm. of why some people react the way they do to my personality. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish I would have heard that when I was younger. 
Mm -hmm. Because I think it would have boosted my confidence. I'm a big believer in hearing what, how do I put this? Like part of me doesn't really care what you think, right? Mm Because I am, I'm going to be who I am. But I think there is some value in taking inventory. You've heard me give this kind of quiz all the time. What are the three words that people would associate to you when they think of you? I I think there's some value in playing to how people do see you and then playing to the strengths of that, right? The Mm -hmm. positive, the positive words, the words that have always come back about me are fun and risk taker and assertive and... Mm -hmm. I find all of those words positive. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. But and so that's how people see me. People also see me as extremely outgoing and bossy. (laughs) Be careful. And it's always fascinating to me. Someone said this to me recently that they're like, well, you're always bossy. You like to boss people around. I'm like, really? Because I don't I've never bossed you around. Oh, yeah, I guess. So where did they get that perception from? Genuinely, where do you think that was? I think because I speak my mind. And Mm -hmm. so I think maybe some perception or like that's their perception or maybe they're projecting their insecurity onto my confidence. Does that sound? I think I think you're very wise and you've got a natural we spoke about presence in one of our previous episodes I think that also if people were to ask you for feedback you would give it very honestly and I think that's the difference you feel comfortable you think that people are always comfortable to get feedback because that's your job right you're a trainer you're a coach so if people want to perceive that as bossy I guess that's just their perception but sometimes their perception is their problem right like Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't control their emotions and their insecurity and their whatever's just, you know, like I have a hard enough time controlling my own. Right. So I, I can't worry about theirs, so to speak. But at the end of the day, people don't realize how extremely sensitive I am, how um, bossy I don't. You're just, you're soft and fluffy, really. We know. Well, I am soft (laughs) and fluffy on the inside for sure. But I'm all, I'm that person that wants, I don't want to necessarily be in the spotlight as much as I want to be the supporting. I want to be the supporter. I want to be the person that like puts you in the spotlight, but doesn't need to take credit for it. And I don't, I don't think people see that. Mm. So I think that the listeners of this show will probably know which one they fit into but I'm a big fan of the LIFO orientations and the types of management styles that people have um all being good and if you if I was to ask you what yours is I've never asked you what yours is Mm. you've got controlling you've got adapting you've got conserving and you've got supporting all of them good but when you are stressed let's say from for example I'm very adapting but when Mm -hmm. I'm stressed that can become controlling and that's the strength weakness paradox mm-hmm. side of that strength weakness paradox. Um, whereas controlling can also be good. It can be a bad thing too. So what are they, you- what are they again? Controlling, adapting. Yeah. Controlling, adapting. Often you see in salespeople and um, conserving and supporting. When I'm stressed. Mm. 
Mm. So you've got a natural default and then you've got a stressed default. Natural default. And okay. My natural default I know is supporting. Mm-hmm. My stress defaults, I go back and forth between controlling and adapting. Yeah. And the thing is that with life though, is that for example, I'm not agreeing with you by the way, I'm just saying you you know yourself better than anyone else. So say for example, if my strength weakness paradox, I'm going to do a life model on you. So let's say for example, my default is adapting. And then when I'm stressed, I become uber supporting. When I'm stressed, my style might perceive your controlling style in the wrong way. Oh, and yeah. I might see you as boxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily yeah. that you are those things. It's just people's different um, strength weakness paradox. It's one of the most interesting tools that, that I have is, ever come across. What is it called? I've never heard of it. It's called LIFO orientations. And it, it basically tells you what your style is. It's, it's similar to what we've different types of models yeah. that we've spoken about, yeah. but it will tell you how that person who is of that style will perceive you when they are stressed and when they're in default. Which I think. How do you really spell that? L I F O. L I F O. I'll send you stuff on it. It's really fascinating. Fascinated um, by that. Yeah, it's. Um, I know we kind of got on a tangent away from the sorry. original, <laughs> sorry. the original question of the ad- advice for a woman wanting to get into sales. Uh, this this is quite a juicy topic. Maybe we need to talk about it at Outbound, but there's a lot to say on it. And I would want a man to chime in on it as well. So my edit, like if I were to give a 30,000 foot view, I've had some really great male mentors and female mentors. Um, I think you need both. I think the, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me and some... <laughs> Some women might not want to hear this. Sorry. I think for me, it is about, let's go back to the piece where you said, what do you, what do you see in your mind, a man or a woman as the, as the leader? Mm -hmm. I think that you have to approach it. God, I like struggle to say it. What, what, what do men do, right? Like there is definitely a difference between men and women in general, obviously in in personality style. See, I can't even, I can't even spit the words out. And this is a great example, right? This is a great example. Men would just black and white it, go straight in, go for the deal. Yes. No. Um, Don't tell me how to build a watch. Tell me what time it is. And (laughs) we women will, will dance around it. And I think, that skill right there to be able to just go straight for it and move on is sometimes a struggle for women in sales. Yeah. I think there's no shame in saying that. And I don't think you're beating up women by saying that because again, strength, weakness, paradox, when they say at school that girls are better at the coursework, I know I've said this before, and boys are better at exams. There is actual evidence for that belief. And there's also scientific evidence based on the ways that the brain brains are formed. more that we haven't got the same brains as men. Our brains don't work in the same way as men. And people often think just because a guy's got a dick and a woman's got boobs that our, <laughs> that makes us different, but it's actually the brains. And it's like, it, it's a massive thing. But I, I mean, in recruitment, um, one thing that I, I, I really, really do notice is that women are often more nervous about their abilities and more conservative about what they're able to do than than the men. I feel that if I'm to ask a, a female recruiter or salesperson for their profile, 
they'll be much more modest. Whereas a guy will really get straight to the point mm-hmm. and like, maybe sometimes a bit over the top. And I find that really interesting. And I wonder why that is. I think some of it, I think it's a combination of, you know, we talk, if we go back and talk about nurture versus nature, right? Like mm-hmm. not even in the sales arena, but nurture versus nature. I think part of it is partially the way you're raised, right? Mm-hmm. So when I look at my environment of how I was raised by, you know, a man who could have been my grandfather age-wise, who, you know, didn't finish grade school, who maybe did some illegal things for the mob, who made me work in a flea market as a as a kid, um, who's very street smart, you know, he's the person who taught me how to sell. And, and the running joke always was that I was the daughter. I was the son my father should have had. That was like kind of the kind of the mm-hmm. things his his friends would say after he passed away. So I think I was raised very much in his style. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's mm-hmm. kind of a man rough around the edges, um, storyteller, funny as can be huge heart um but we get to the point it's i think there's that and also playing on environment then it depends on the work culture that you're in if you're in a work culture that patronizes women or uh, doesn't treat them the same Mm -hmm. as men uh and now you're a woman who going back to what you're talking about with lifo like if you if you were a woman who grew up being told don't speak till you're spoken to. Don't be aggressive, be demure. And you grow up that way. And then you go into a work culture that is similar, like mm-hmm. a good old boys club. That's only going to make it worse. Cause how do you, how do you grow from that? How do you speak up? It's probably not going to happen. But if you're in a culture where they cultivate women succeeding and women having voices, or you're in a culture where women are in charge. Now that doesn't always work either because there are some women who get super insecure and then they will push the other women down. That's a whole mm-hmm. other topic. They will play to the stereotype. They will play to that stereotype. So um, I think there are all those things at play. Yeah. And yeah. then the bias and all the biases that come along with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I feel that this, I know we're here to talk about sales, but I feel like it is a, a bigger thing. And I see it in so many aspects of gender um, when it comes to women who sleep around. They're called schlags, sluts. <laughs> schlags. Um, and men Don't are be like... a schlag. Yeah, and a man is a stud if He's he does a stud, it. stud, yeah. And also just, you know, you watch all these old things like you've had a boy, he will be our next king. It comes back to the the kind of age of, you know, she's given birth to a boy. What's he going to do? Oh, a girl. Okay. You know, that kind of perception that we probably got in our DNA and our, our evolutionary brains. But I think I really... Well, look at your own monarchy world. I mean... I became obsessed (laughs) with Mary, Queen of Scots, and then like all the history behind the queens. And yeah, oh my goodness. I was just thinking of her. I was just thinking of her. But I think like, I I think there's that thing of when, you know, like when when you're with your family, like when you went left home and you'd go back and be with your family in that kind of um, scenario, 
people always go back to being exactly how they were. It's like their mm-hmm. comfort zone. So like when yeah. I'm with my sister, I, I sometimes talk in a baby voice and I'm with my parents. It's like, I'm a 36-year-old woman. <laughs> what on earth am I doing? But like we do, we kind of go back into our comfort zone. And I wonder if, it's just mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying, if we were nurtured in that way, if we go into environments where it's like that we fit back into that box instead of bursting out and recognizing that actually, hey, I'm a woman. I've got something to say. I'm going to speak up for myself and that's okay. Yeah. And we are still, I think, only a couple of generations away from when that wasn't okay for a woman to speak up. And they, you would stay at home, you would do the washing, you would do the, the meal and man would come home. It's not, we know people who that is normal for. We both know people who that is normal for. So we can't be surprised that women do have to stand up for themselves. So for that listener's question, what my advice would be to have the confidence to speak up. And even if the other women aren't speaking up, be that woman who leads the other women and says that it's okay for you to raise your, not raise your voice, but speak your ideas. Speak your voice. Exactly. In meetings, you know, I would love to see more women speak up. I, I don't see it very much in big teams. Certainly when I was growing up in my 20s, it would often be the men having the confidence to do that. But I do think it's different in every place. And I, I do. And again, it, it depends on what, what walk of life everybody comes from. Now, I don't hide the fact that I wear my emotions on my sleep and I have to work really hard sometimes to not let my emotions take over. Mm-hmm. On the positive side of that, one of our coworkers, Keith, said, you know, sometimes that, you know, that also works to your advantage because my emotions are about deep caring. And so, right. So they're coming mm-hmm. from a good place. But how do we get control of that? But sometimes in a work environment, depending on what everyone's walk of life, that emotionality can be construed as or misconstrued as a bad thing, right? Like I had a boss who said, now this is back in my day when I used to go in and take over businesses and turn them around. And I was in a turnaround situation and it was highly intense in a geography that was new to me and it was hard and it was different than anything I'd ever dealt with. And I I can't even go into it, but is this too much? But my CEO that I reported directly to said, Mm. you know, you're, you're just way too emotional about this. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. This is really intense things. And I am asking you, I'm raising my hand and asking for help. And I'm asking you to send reinforcements because I cannot do this situation by myself. Right. Like I spoke up about it and then I still got chastised on it. Right. So, and I have a strong voice and personality that not a lot of people have. So if you stand up and then someone still pushes you back Mm. down, chances are you're going to just acquiesce. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And then we're just conditioning the culture to continue to be that way. So I think, again, coming from the dad that I came from, if I were actually a man with this personality, I probably wouldn't get some pushback I might get once in a while, if that makes any sense. I've got a question for you. How many times... When you were just sort of growing up in sales or just even in male conversations, like just going out and about, <gasps> men would say, oh, is it your time of the month? You're a bit grumpy. Is it your time of the month? 
to the point, I mean, I, you know, I, I slap my husband because it was always at that till the month, you've been a bit grumpy. And I, I, I don't take that. Okay. I don't think it's okay because it's like making a joke of something that is, I'm sounding like a feminist now and I don't think I am especially, but I do think that, that there are some things that are just said in passing that men do take too far or like, oh, she's on one. She's on one. I think quite honestly, I think when men do that, they're just being stupid and they, no offense guys, but I, I don't think they think I've had men say to me, we're just, we're just stupid. We're dumb guys. Like, I don't think they're even thinking about it. it. It's something they've been conditioned to say. It's that mocking. That's the one thing I'm, I'm realizing as we're having this conversation, that I must be more of a feminist than I thought I was because it's that what really gets on, gets on my nerves is that mocking of you little woman. And when we went to, we were actually once yes. went to Abu Dhabi for um, a New Year's party and there were some men there. And I think it's just a different culture in some places in the world where, you know, yeah. and I remember I was being outspoken about something and the guy was just laughing and <laughs> I got her and like, what was it? Might as well pat me on the head, you know, and I got, it grated on me so much. And I said, um, excuse me, I think I, I, I must've had an argument with him or something. I might have had a lot to drink. I can't remember. But, you know, is that, is that, <laughs> oh, is that kind of like, oh, you little woman with your little opinion, aren't you cute? And it's like, I know we talk about, you know, how cuteness can be presence, but it's when cuteness becomes patronizing, that bothers me. That bothers me a lot. Well, again, it goes back to, it goes back to upbringing, right? You could relate it to anything if you think about how how people are related. Like you just said, going back to when you go back home, you kind of revert back mm. to who you were. If I think about how I grew up in the neighborhood I grew up in, right? There is a, a certain attitude, behavior, even for those who went to college in my neighborhood, there's still just kind of a small way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Or I look at this people who are considered racist. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there aren't racist, but I'm, I'm saying I think racism comes from ignorance. Mm -hmm. I think um, discriminating against women often comes from ignorance. I think when you're raised in a society that does not support or promote women or you're raised in a society that um, sees color, or, you know, you know, or, or is, is racist. Yeah. I yeah. know how to say that the yeah, right way. Yeah. If you're raised in that and you don't know any better and nobody teaches you any better, then the behavior continues. I'm not trying to make an excuse for it. I think that's just a reality. And it is. I mean, you're talking very much about the social constructions of it, right? Um, and how yeah. we're raised. And the thing that I always find gets gets me, though, is let's talk about sex for a second. <laughs> casual, let's talk about casual, sex, baby. Casual sex. Let's talk about you and me. Go on. <laughs> Slagging. Um, but like, for example, a woman who sleeps around is a slag. We've spoken about that. But also, and I see this a lot, I'm at that age now where friends are getting divorced and men having a mm. I've I've seen a few female friends so you got a lot of slag friends no I see a few female friends <laughs> who are having affairs um with married men and mm -hmm. at the beginning of it they often say no 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 it's fine my emotions are not involved it's fine it's just mm -hmm. sex it's okay mm. but it never is and they always get emotionally attached but it's the same when I was in mm -hmm. my 20s and I would never 
I was never a schlag. I would make them wait until the ring was no. I was, but some girls would. I thought you were still a virgin. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but like some, there were some women. They would literally just sleep around like no tomorrow. I'm coming back to sales in a minute, and they would say that they were fine with it. They were not attached and. The guys were seen to be able to do it, but the women were unable to do it. They would find it hurtful in the end and they would get emotional about it. I would always see that pattern. The girl gets hurt, the guy carries on. So guy, they say, is biologically constructed to sleep you know, sleep around and bear their seed, if you like, in the evolutionary brain. And women, um, they it's like their lifelong partner in their brain when they when they have sex with someone. Now, could we relate that to sales as well? In the sense that women might sure. might get more emotional if they are rejected, or the amygdala might just be a bit more sensitive. The emotional side of our brain comes into play more, and the men don't recognise that because it's not something that they can empathise with because of how they are constructed differently, and therefore understanding is lacking. So it's not so much that women are pushed out, it's just they don't understand. So they're thought of as emotional and weaker and could be argued to make us stronger. No, I think our emotions make us more as kind of like what Keith and I talked about today. I think emotions definitely play to our favor when it comes to empathy Mm -hmm. um, and building relationships. And I think that's why women are so great at sales and you some of those stats that you shared i would be now the more we talk about this i'm i would be curious to have that some of those stats broken down what percentage of those women are hunters versus farmers mm. do you know where i'm going with this let's not put them all in one box based on their gender let's talk about their sales style as well yeah so you know being a hunter is a little more um aggressive and definitely requires more persistence and tenacity Mm -hmm. and obstacle immunity whereas a a farmer is about relationship and watering the seeds that you planted and continuing to watch over the crops right like when you think about our how we're wired if we want to go back to that that in caveman days Right. As as the women in the cave, we weren't we weren't out killing the dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of them were. Exactly. Society is catching up, though. The fact we've been having this conversation like Singapore. Did you see the other day they were only just um, legalized gay sex or something? Um, it's just that she's like, why should she talk about sex again? No, but the point is, is that we we have. We have come so far in the last 100 is, years. I was like, is sex legalized everywhere? I don't know. I, gay gay I'm, sex I'm wasn't gonna, in Singapore. In I'm Singapore. ignorant. I, I don't even know if it is like in the US. I'm, I mean, in every state. I don't know. Uh, Somebody, if you're listening, tell me. Somebody tell me. Can I ask a question about women? Um, because this comes up quite a lot as well. So women often talk about how the boys club, they feel like they are sort of segregated because they're a woman. But I've also heard women feel that they're segregated by other women. So I'll give an example yeah. here. Um, this is a question. I'm new to my role and I often feel paranoid because I'm in the office full time and I can't get away from office politics. Um, mm. How do I deal with the girls club? So I'm a new, new girl. They often whisper when I'm in the office and they often go out to lunch and I'm never invited. 
I feel left out. What advice can you give me? Mm. Now, this <laughs> is someone I know who said this. And I, I think we've all felt like this at some point. Well, there's, there's a couple ways to look at this. Do you want to be invited? Do you want to be invited for the sake of being invited? Or do you want to be invited because you really want to hang out with them? And dig even deeper. Do you really want to be invited to be part of a group that didn't think about inviting you? How's that for an answer? It's a great answer. I do think though, one thing having like, I I do think leadership does have responsibility here though, to create opportunities for everyone to I be agree. included, especially if they're new to the company and they're in the office consistently. I agree. And my other thing is, and that's the one thing like giggling in the side of an office and whispering is one of my bugbears. I remember we had a group of, I'm sure guys do it as well, but we had a group of women who did it in my my office that I used to work in. And I saw some other managers do it as well. And I, in the end, I, I remember just saying, you know, one of our things that we have in this office, we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. We don't want them to feel paranoid. So these are the things that people are saying, make them feel like this. So if you need to talk privately, go into a meeting room or, you know, go outside. And it helped. But I think the main thing is leadership really trying to integrate people fully. Um, you are always going to have cliques. You know, yeah. I, it's exactly what you said. Like, there are always going to be people who go out to lunch. I I remember one of my first jobs that I had, I was never part of that clique. And if they invited me, I would say no, but I still wanted to be invited. I still wanted the opportunity to say no. <laughs> Not just to be. That's that's sort of my point. But I, I agree with you. If, if the company is not fostering that culture, right, which really goes back to onboarding, right? How mm. are you onboarding your employees? And are you creating, right? Leadership should be modeling inclusion of like welcoming mm -hmm. the new people. Hey, everybody, Susanna's here. Make her feel at home. Make sure someone invites her out to lunch. Like, that should be part of an onboarding process. And then that becomes yeah. the expectation for the culture that that's our way of saying, you know what, we include everybody, do not click it up. Now you're going to have the clicks and uh, you're never, ever going to avoid that. I dealt with that all the time running an improv theater with, you know, performer type people, which are very emotional. And we were a mm -hmm. very inclusive culture just by the nature of yes and an improv that we accept everybody. But even in that acceptance culture, I still had clicks and it would make me crazy because I'd get some complaints about it. And then I just finally realized, you know what, you guys, you are going to have clicks within here because mm -hmm. you're going to resonate with some people. Like for instance, people that I'm boarded at the same time became their own little click. Like it's just mm. natural that they came in together. And so now they've got this bond and that's okay. But as the leader, I still needed to foster an environment of bringing everybody together to the table mm. so that people mingled. So I think, I think very much leadership has a responsibility to that. Yeah. I think if somewhere has got bad retention, especially a lot of sales environments, people forget to be welcoming to the new people yeah. because they're so used to seeing the revolt. Well, why should I invite that person? They'll probably well, be gone next well, week. <laughs> there's that too. So that says a lot about the culture. 
that I've heard those comments before. I don't want to really get close to someone because I don't know if they're going to be around long enough. I heard that about moving to the South in, in the U.S. Like when I moved to South mm-hmm. Carolina, someone said to me, until you're here for two years, most people are not going to accept you because we're in a transient area where people move here thinking they're going to live the life and then realize it's not the life they wanted and they leave. And so it's very transient. And so people don't want to become too close to you until they know that you're going to be here for a while. So interesting. there is some of that. Um, my other advice on that would be, if you want to be invited to lunch, just break the circle and be like, hey, you guys, I would love to join you. Where are you guys going? Which also breaks the circle of ignorance because maybe they just weren't thinking. Maybe they just weren't. It wasn't on their mind to invite you. And again, this let's circle it back to men versus women, right? Like, okay, that's a, a women's click, but you know, sometimes men just don't think. And and um, my husband will kill me for this, but I don't think he's listened to episodes for a while. So mm-hmm. his coworkers, and they're mostly men but there's one or two women, his coworkers. Now these are, these are all law enforcement officers. Okay. They have started giving him a hard time and calling him names because his wife makes him lunch and his wife has broken the routine of them all going out to lunch together. Oh, now I'm like, did you defend me and say it was your idea that I make you lunch so that we save money? He's like, of course I did. They, I'm like, so are you okay with them harassing you? He's like, yeah, we're just guys busting each other's chops. That's what we do. He's like, I don't care. So they don't, they don't get my, the point of the story is that they don't get upset about it. Mm. I do enjoy that. And I must say, I do enjoy that about men. <laughs> the fact that they can banter, yeah. like quite close to the bone. And it's funny. And I think that we can learn a lot from them in our style as women. Um, but I think they can also learn a lot from us um, in the way we are emotionally, like you said earlier, and the way that we recognize and understand emotions. And I think that's where someone with my personality style struggles because I have a tendency to have more of that boys will be boys sarcastic style sometimes that I got from my dad that could be seen as more masculine than feminine and so then there becomes this kind of like cognitive dissonance where you're like Mm. your brain's having a hard time like understanding that because um (laughs) a certain HR person who listens to the show once in a while has (laughs) said to me that you know Sometimes my sarcasm doesn't come off as well. And so now I've just learned to like preface it, like, especially like in emails, right? Like you can, when you can't read tone and I'm like, I'll sometimes put in parentheses, just me being sarcastic. Like I'm not trying to be offensive because I'm thinking my sarcasm is funny, but not everybody thinks it's funny. So you just have to know your audience that you're talking to. Do you think it's how do you back? In business at all, being a woman? Sometimes, yeah. Because I I sometimes struggle with um, being who I am 100%. And then when when people don't like that and they push back on it, um, I will actually 
repel. Like I will actually kind of go under a rock. I, I notice that about myself. Like I will run and hide. And I don't know where, where that that comes from. Maybe it's from, you know, daddy issues where I knew that every time I pleased my dad and I did good, I got praise. And if I didn't do good, I got yelled at. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it, where it comes from. Do you think that you mentioned that you're worried that sometimes people see you as being emotional because, you know, we have a tendency to be like that. And you said sometimes people can see me as being emotional. Do you think that they see that because we're female? Like, do you think that we're branded emotional when we feel things because we're female? I think so. I think I, I think so mm. because there is an there is an issue, isn't there? Female uh, an issue. I mean, I do I do think when I think about I hesitate when I think about all the men I know, I don't see a lot of them mm. showing emotion. Mm-hmm. Like I'm literally trying to think of like all of my interactions, right? And I see more emotions from women, and so just based on that. I, I, I just I think we're seen that way. I think we're seen as emotional because we're typically more emotional than men on the surface. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the one thing that I would say to these questions is acknowledge it, know it, but don't dwell on it. Because sometimes when we do dwell on these things, then it becomes more of an issue than it is to the point that we get defensive about it. And then it becomes bigger because we're thinking about well then it it, beca- it becomes your reality right it's it's the stories that you tell yourself then those stories become true and you and i talked about this on an episode too about self talk and how do you turn around things that appear negative and turn them around into positive mm. let me let me take this negative situation and how do i What's the positive in this negative situation? And it's not always easy to do that because when you're in a negative situation, you're stuck there sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's hard for you to get lifted out of it unless you've got some good people around you Mm -hmm. who are like, yo, hey, like you, like when I've had moments and then you remind me, you know, I've got some really great female friends in my life where if I'm having a moment, they'll come back and say, don't forget how amazing you are at what you do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that that's good, I think. And that's the one thing I would say, I hope, and I've heard some female thought leaders say, if you're in an environment where women aren't appreciated, just leave. I disagree. I think that if you're a female and you're in an environment where females aren't appreciated that much, then stand up and speak out to it in a positive way. It doesn't always have to be a negative way. And yeah, I feel like if we just run away from it all the time, then you're allowing it. But let's, let's, I sound like I'm trying to be some kind of thought leader in myself, but like, let's just try and change. <laughs> but you are, but you are. But we can change no, how people think by being. Well, you're bang on. Like, again, um, sometimes organizations and cultures don't realize that there is an issue. And unless someone stops and says something, everybody's going to continue to do what they're doing until someone brings it to their attention. I'm working with a client right now that I'm coaching. I'm super excited. And I've been working with her for a year because she keeps renewing her coaching. You know, this, this last round of coaching, we've been working on her career path at her organization, which is very male dominated. And we've literally created her ideal job 
put it in on paper, came up with a playbook, came up with a new org chart for the organization, all these things behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. because we are going to will her into the role. Mm. And it's been really cool watching it happen because it's happening. Yeah. And like, I get emotional thinking about it because we've literally laid out what this job that does not exist should be. And it really stems from her previous company where she was pushed down and never felt like women had a voice. And now she's in an organization that values women. And I'm like, let's just blow it out of the water. What do you want to do next in this organization? That's all we've been doing on this round of coaching. Mm. And, you know, you, you, you have to speak up. Now I'm working with another client that, you know, half of their sales team are women and they're high performers and the leader's a man. And he is so gung-ho about giving his female leaders every tool, every resource, all the support to feel value as women in sales. And and those are the types of organizations that you want to be part of. And and if your organization isn't like that, then why not step up and be part of the change? Mm-hmm. Now I'm sounding like now I'm sounding like a feminist. <laughs> the people who thought they weren't feminists. I mean, <laughs> I think I think we probably are feminists. I think the difference is is that we we're, we're not, not shouting ra- I'm about not it. Radi- yeah, I'm not radical, and and I I think probably for both you and I, I, I tend to be believe it or not more conservative mm. than what most would think it's a fine, it's a fine, it's a fine line. Like I, there are a a variety of things I think of that, that should be more equal. Um, but I'm not radical. Well, we've been here in many senses, haven't we? Gender, the introvert versus extrovert. I think introverts can learn from extroverts, but I also think women can learn from men. And I think that differences like anything, like any war, people can segregate themselves because of the differences that we can actually learn from each other and accept each other. We can't change perceptions of individuals who are insecure about the differences. Amen. <laughs> mm. And amen, sister. I think this was a really fun episode diving into women in sales. And I don't know, I think, I know we usually call these like listeners questions, but I, we're going to theme this somehow women in sales and the girls club or the boys club mm. or whatever knee and Nian, our producer, comes up with. But before we um, before we wrap up, I want to add a new segment to the show. I don't know if you've got. Do you have one of your end of show questions? I do. If you don't I, 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 I do actually? Okay. Um, it, but it's a bit different. So we can have we can have yours plus a new segment. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, my well, because we haven't got a guest here today, I'm not going to do the quiz or truth with you. I'm going to give you an easier one. I'm going to ask you who is. The most inspirational female that you've ever come across. And she can be dead. She can be alive. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The most inspirational female. I know this is going to sound very not outside of the box, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. with my gut, which would be my grandmother. Mm-hmm. On, on my mother's side, my German grandmother. Mm-hmm who was instrumental. I always used to say if she were alive, she would be the CEO of a company because she was a force to be reckoned with. She kept 
her five children intact as a family as well. My grandfather was a cobbler for the Nazis. He wasn't a Nazi, but he was forced into working in, in the army. And um, my grandmother was left to try to provide for five children um, during horrendous times. And they survived so many different tragedies of almost getting killed until they got out of the country wow. um, and made it to America. And it's because of her I'm here. And she was just feisty. And I would have loved to have seen her running a business. So I'm I'm inspired by that kind of grit to do whatever you had to do to take care of your family. Mm-hmm. Like literally they were almost killed a number of times. They were um, kicked out of their home and then and then put back into a home where where other families were being kicked out and she refused to have other families kicked out of their homes. I don't know. She's just she was a cool ass woman. Nice. I love that. I love that. What about you? You're about to ask me another question, but <laughs> I lucky me today. <laughs> um it was probably I worked for 13 years for a recruitment company and I worked for someone who Slightly did my head in, and I think she, I probably definitely did her head in as well, but mainly because we were so different. Um, she, I learned so much from her. She was so fair, like one of those really fair people, really loyal, but super wise. You know, I read lots of books to try and get my wisdom. She just had a natural sense of wisdom. She studied psychology. She was the type of boss who would do anything for any of her workers. Yeah. I mean, we, we weren't even like, besties outside work but I made her an usherette at my wedding because I felt indebted to her for the wisdom and knowledge she gave me and yeah she she built me up when many wouldn't have done um so yeah you know that actually the now I was like I thought of my grandmother first but there was a woman who mentored me early on um at the Chicago and Chamber of Commerce and gave me a really big break uh to let me run PR um, for the chamber. And then that led to like a variety of other jobs that got me on my career path. But she was my first job interview with her was at lunch. And (laughs) she's like, all right, what are you drinking? And she's like this older Irish woman. And I was like, I'll have a nice tea. She's like, what? (laughs) No. What are you drinking? And so she (laughs) was like, you had to have, you know, she she drank doors on the rocks with a with a twist. I'll never forget it. But she had this Rolodex, mm-hmm. this city of Chicago Rolodex. Anything you needed, any situation you needed taken care of, she had the contacts. Nice, nice. And she knew how to bring people together. And um she really did um kind of create that in me of all about how do you bring people together just for the sake of bringing people together without wanting anything in return Uh, selfless yeah yeah true like a true networker which is what we need to be in sales so I think that's why that's another factor of what's helped me in sales of like just naturally bringing people together without expecting anything without wanting anything yeah no I love that I love that okay are you ready ready new segment Ask the recruiter, ask the recruiter. That would be you. You're the recruiter. So for the, for our listeners out there, I do have a question for you from a listener for a recruiter. So this is a salesperson who Uh wants to know they are in a sales role 
Mm-hmm. They've only been with the company for six months. And pretty quickly, they realized that the company is toxic and not the right place. And it's not just this one salesperson, um, both salespeople, the only salespeople in the organization who started around the same time are now regretting it and want to, they don't know what to do. Um, The leadership is poor. The direction is poor. There are a variety of issues. Mm -hmm. And so my, my advice was just leave, get out. And one of them said, my concern is being seen as a job hopper. So I'm just going to stick it out for, for the year so that it doesn't look like I'm a job hopper. So the question is, should this person stick it out or cut bait and leave now because the ending's not going to be good? And how would a prospective employer look at that salesperson if that salesperson either they have two options, stick it out and still only maybe have one year on the job to speak of, or do they get out now and start interviewing and say, I made a bad choice in this position? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the first thing before anything else is to remember that career can be a priority, but you should always be the number one priority, your mental health. And it's to Ask the people who live with you every day, but also diarize, how am I feeling on a scale of one to 10 Mm. each day, right? So how much is this affecting me and my potential? Because there are things and situations and environments that can stop us from reaching our potential. That should be the priority, not what does my CV look like? Is it a job hopper CV? Ultimately, the good news is, is that salespeople are hard to find. People with good attitudes are even harder to find. So if they have both of those things, then ultimately they will have the influencing skills to explain to a new employer without bad-mouthing their previous employee, the situations. Now, one thing I always say to people when they're trying to find a new job and they're a bit concerned about how it might look is I say, get evidence. And I mean, praising like I spoke to someone today and I said do a screen grab of the emails where you were the top performer on getting those candidates in because you haven't yet got the figures to prove it but enough evidence someone will take a chance on you but make sure that you look at but what if but but what if what if you're in that environment because this the this these salespeople were like every move they make they are chastised and told they're doing everything wrong It's difficult to know without knowing why and what it is that Mm -hmm. they're supposedly doing wrong and whether it it is something that they need to work on or whether it's actually just a difficult boss. Now, assuming that it is a toxic boss, then you've already answered the question. You know, they they, they need to get out because ultimately, whatever they do, they're not going to progress in the best possible way. That's what I, that's what I said. Many people, and many people, I really truly believe this. And I say this to people who call me up and say they've had a bad day. Their boss is horrible. They hate their boss. I always say to them, try and speak to them first because the amount of times you find them a great job with a great company and the amount of times that they will then think, oh, they actually really appreciate me and stay because they're really flattered, but they'll end up coming to you anyway, (laughs) three months later. But at least give the boss a chance to see if they can put things right. 
And then if they can't, then you, you really do make the jump. Great advice. Yeah. So go try to have that conversation. And yeah. it's like any relationship, right? Like any relationship, every relationship needs work. Yep. And if you don't have clear communication, sometimes people are just in, sitting in ignorance. Like they don't yeah. know. They don't know that your style's not working. They don't know, you know, all those things. Like, it's, yeah, it's not always weak to jump. Sometimes it's a sign of strength to jump. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the, the the worry that lots of people see it is a weakness to to not stay. But it's about putting yourself first. Yeah, excellent advice, Susanna Gray Jones. Thank you very much, Gina Ask- Marco Clara. ask the recruiter ask the recruiter i like this segment if you've got questions for susanna on your sales role i've just created this new segment um that's all we got for this episode it is time for us to. it's time for you to go to bed it's yeah time for me to do some more work and uh it's time for you listeners to take a break from us how's that absolutely yeah Enjoyed that and more to come at Outbound about women in sales. Yep. Check it out. Um, check out women at your mother warns you about.com. And for more information about Suzanne and I, you can also find us at salesgravy.com. We also both have courses at salesgravy.university. What a great way to up level your sales skills. And it doesn't cost that much for you to do it. It's such a great an investment for yourself. Go check that out, salesgravy.university and uh, check out uponconference.com to see us live streaming this show in September in Atlanta. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, especially for a a female that you know in sales, you want to share this with, please share this episode. We would appreciate it and they would get something out of it. But Warners, we're out of here. See you on the next show. Good night.